This is a Federal News Network podcast. Air Force Materiel Command recently put out its updated telework policy. The document outlines how airmen and civilians can take advantage of new remote options. The command is also thinking about how moving to a more hybrid environment will impact its employees and the physical office space it inhabits. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni spoke with Tammy Lyons, chief of the Air Force Materiel Command's Personnel Support Division and the director of AFMC's Manpower, Personnel, and Services, Bill Snodgrass. Telework has been recognized not only in the, in, in the public sector, but particularly in the private sector as a way that we can increase our efficiency and our productivity. It enhances employee work-life balance, and it can uh, potentially, if done correctly, reduce infrastructure costs. Uh, but having said that, I think, I think we would all agree that, that the public sector really lagged significantly behind the private sector regarding widespread utilization of teleworking until something changed and forced us to think differently. And what that, what that change was, was the, the COVID pandemic. And so the, the, the need for physical distancing due to COVID necessitated a very quick and hurried transition, almost overnight transition from a very archaic, not very telework centric way of doing business to having to go virtually for a large portion of our workforce. So now you've had a little bit more of a chance to settle into this telework world. How is the Air Force working with that and what sort of opportunities do you see through it? Where it was kind of a, a herky-jerky, hurried transition, a not very seamless, uh, not very effective or efficient. Since then, we, we've done two things that have really helped significantly. One is we put a significant amount of uh, investment into our uh, into our IT platforms in the in the backbone. So the IT enhancements have really made it now to where we can actually utilize tools that are out there, commercial off the shelf tools, uh, and still comply with network rules that we have in the Air Force and in the DoD. We've really enhanced our, our bandwidth and our capability to just physically do it. And then the other thing we did was supervisors really gave a lot of meaningful thought behind how do I manage a workforce in a virtual environment? And what that basically does is that's given our airmen the flexibility through telework that, that most of them uh, appreciate. And, and to what you alluded to earlier, General Bunch, General Bunch made it quite clear that our proven success uh, operating in telework the last 18 plus months demonstrates that telework is going to continue uh, long after uh, the, the pandemic. And, and and I would just go on to say, I guess, that why are we doing this in those work centers that are eligible for, for telework? And again, not, not every job lends itself to telework. If you're a, a sheet metal mechanic working in one of our, our depots, you obviously can't uh, replace rivets or do sheet metal work uh, over the phone. You, know, you have to physically be uh, come to work for that. But for the work centers, and, and there are some work centers that deal with classified information on a a recurring or uh, regular basis. And so that really doesn't lend itself to extensive telework. But for most of our workforce or large portions of it that are eligible for telework, um, we, we know that it increases our, our flexibility is when we look at how we recruit talent, particularly on the civilian side of the house, we can how we recruit civilian talent, how we conduct our operations. And, and we don't have the limitations of geography, uh, time zones, or even physical presence. It's also a proven process that, that, as I mentioned earlier, most of our employees believe that it gives them flexibility that they like. And studies uh, from the private sector have, have uh, repeatedly shown that job applicants place a really high value on the option to work from home, even if it's in some sort of hybrid capacity. And then from a mission perspective, telework, we, we really view it as, as a force enabler, not only in AFMC, but across the Air Force is it provides us, again, additional options on how we recruit and retain the right talent to compete in the, um, 
what our country needs us to do from a readiness perspective in any sort of high-end future fight. Do you have any idea at this point what part of the workforce will be hybrid working or teleworking? Have you heard from any of your airmen or your civilians what they're interested in doing in terms of coming into the office and those sorts of things? I think there's kind of two lenses to look at it or perspectives to look at it from. One is going to be obviously from a mission perspective. So uh, sometimes, quite frankly, there are just going to be times where we have to have you come in, whether it's for some sort of collaboration that doesn't lend itself uh, for uh, for virtual. So, for example, I mentioned classified work earlier. You know, I don't have a job or many people don't have jobs that require them to access classified information daily. But there could be an occasion once a month, once a, once a quarter, uh, five or six times a year where they have to come in into a collaborative environment where they ac- actually have to, to deal with classified workload. And so that would be a hybrid situation where they would uh, they would need to come into work. Uh, so from a mission perspective, I need you to come in from work from a mission perspective. Uh, and again, the the, um, the threat conditions from covid drive this, too. But from a mission perspective, sometimes we bring a. Uh, uh, a workforce in, in a hybrid capacity. And again, these are teleworkers who work in the same geographical area of their installation, right? So we bring them in for a collaboration day, if you will. So just to bring them in and just to kind of put eyes on them, just to make sure they're doing okay, because that's one thing we're quite worried about is, is leaders is what is the prolonged effect of, of, um, of people on, on telework? As you transition to this telework world, offices aren't going to be needed as much. I understand that you're using some shared spaces and other opportunities like that. What do you see in terms of savings? Have you looked at what those savings might be and how you might be posturing yourself for the future? That is one of the big benefits. We do believe it will reduce our uh, geographic footprint, our real property footprint, and it will change how we're configured. And we do believe it's going to drive a dollar savings. I will just tell you right now we have studies and reviews that are that are underway but they're really in their infancy so right now i can't tell you we're estimating that we're going to save this much per year starting in uh, 2023 but i'll let tammy walk you through at least uh from a uh, overarching perspective uh the things we're thinking about and why we do believe it will uh, eventually uh drive some dollar saving so one of the things that our leadership, including General Bunch, has, has said to his commanders is that we want to have a goal of about 50% of those persons that are in telework eligible positions that we um, approve some type of form of telework for them. So if we have 50% of our telework eligible employees out of the workplace, we do believe that there's going to be some savings associated with real property costs. And and what we're looking at is seeing if there are opportunities that we can reconfigure office space um, to have desk sharing or something that's called hoteling or hot desking where, you know, you uh, where an employee who does need to come into the office for a day, you know, either reserves a desk or actually just comes in and finds some desk space and, and occupies that that desk space. Tammy Lyons, Chief of the Air Force Material Command's Personnel Support Division, and Bill Snodgrass, Director of AFMC's Manpower, Personnel, and Services, speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. 
Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was 
it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions. Uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and... Um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From Sea to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, w- WAPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, 
we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Looking to expand or move your company? Look no further than Ohio. With a talented workforce for in-demand industries like tech, healthcare, engineering, manufacturing, and more, you can staff up and scale for growth. Ohio's central location and reliable infrastructure will help you impress your customers, while Ohio's affordable cost of living and quality of life will excite your employees. Why survive somewhere else when your business can thrive in Ohio? Visit successinohio.com today. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.